and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to comprehensive sexual education. I'm your host of Hooligandry, Jack. For this episode's Freak Show, we're going to talk about a crazy little mammal who I have no idea made it this long, honestly. It gives me great hopes about myself. So they don't necessarily have the wildest sexy time, which I know is kind of our theme here, but there's an interesting secondary sex characteristic, and there's plenty of weird things about them, so I will still be providing entertainment in the form of disgust, naturally. So the Selenodon. That sounds like a fake name, like it does not belong to a mammal. It sounds like a dinosaur name, which I suppose is appropriate considering how fucking old Selenodons are. Not like as individuals, obviously, as a species. Although to be honest, we've only ever been able to identify the lifespan of captive Selenodons, so never wild ones, maybe individuals too, who knows. But regardless, my actual point is that the species is old, like old, old. You know when you hear the term living fossil and you think of like alligators or coelacanths for my Animal Crossing nerds? Yeah, me too, don't worry. (laughs) The kind of animal who's so perfectly created that they never needed to evolve. Perfect enough to outlive the dinosaurs. Yeah, I think of sharks. I think of alligators. I do not ever think to myself, nature's perfect creation is a goddamn shrew. And yeah, I know it's not like technically, genetically, taxonomically, whatever adverb you want to use, it's not a shrew, but it's kind of related to shrews and looks almost exactly like a shrew. So for the intent of my indignation, a goddamn clumsy ass shrew outlived the fucking dinosaurs. What is that bullshit? The meteor killed the plesiosaur and the Deinonychus and we can't have those in 2021 but it let us keep a shrew that can't even defend itself from predators? Who the fuck made that one-sided deal? You should be fired. You're a terrible businessman. And honestly, I'm not being snarky. Well, okay, I am being snarky, but not when I say that it can't even defend itself. Theoretically, it can defend itself, but in practice, no, absolutely not. Which is why, despite surviving the dinosaurs, it is now rapidly going extinct. Which is sad, I admit. I definitely don't like that. I'm not sitting here going like, fuck yeah, extinction. I definitely would rather that did not happen. I would prefer if we could keep the dinosaurs and the shrews. But I am indignant that the dinosaurs didn't survive when this thing did. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. So let me actually explain this animal. And hopefully you guys will finish up this episode in a state of equal indignation. Or at least from a perspective of understanding. There are currently, there are two living species of the Selenodon. There's the Cuban variety and the Hispaniolan flavor. The Cuban one lives in Antarctica, as one would assume, and the Hispaniolan one lives in the Hispaniolan island in the Caribbean, not far from Cuba. And I'm kidding about Antarctica, don't ever take me seriously. As I said, they look remarkably like shrews. The same elongated, way too flexible snout. The same comically small, beady eyes. It actually weirds me out how small their eyes are. I get that they don't rely on eyesight very much, but come on. The aesthetic, dude. Equally important. The main difference between the Selenodon and the shrew, aside from trivial matters like genetics, is their size. Shrews are typically the size of, like, mice, while Selenodons are closer to cats. More like juvenile cats. Teenager cats. Using the scientific unit of measurement, of course. And here's another difference that I very sadly referred to a minute ago. Let's see if you caught it. The ability to fucking survive. Shrews can run away from predators. You know who pretty much can't? 
I'll bet anything you get selenodons. <laughs> they have the clumsiest little uneven walk gait thing that I've ever seen. And when they do try to run, they can't quite figure it out. They actually run on their toes and they stumble everywhere. And I don't know, maybe they just get anxiety. I don't like running in front of people either. So I suppose I get it, but come on. <laughs> how do you, how do you not know how to run? It's theorized that they hung out on those isolated islands for so goddamn long without any natural predators that they never needed to learn how to run. But <laughs> how is that realistic? Who never learns how to run? I don't ever do it, but I sure as shit know how. <laughs> like, I'm gonna try to describe it to you guys, but when I watched a video of them moving, the only thing I could think of was a newborn monkey when they do that awkward crawl thing. To me, they don't actually look like four-legged animals. They look like a bipedal animal walking on all fours. It's bizarre. I, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Either way, they suck. So now what sound do you think they're gonna make while they fumble around attempting to run away from you? Well, they'll probably sound like a bird shrieking at you. Or if they're feeling a little friendlier about it, they'll just oink at you, like a pig. <laughs> All while excreting musk from a gland near its anus that makes it smell exactly like a goat. Absolutely charming. So if they don't know how to run away, there has to be some way for them to defend themselves. And there is, in theory. Selenodons fall into the very small, very exclusive category of venomous mammals. The last time that I talked about a venomous mammal, I think I was talking about the platypus, and that animal is certainly well-equipped to take care of itself, and very obviously deserving of the title, Nature's Perfect Creation, worthy of outliving the dinosaurs. <laughs> Other venomous mammals would be like a slow loris, um, other shrews, and of course, vampire bats. Speaking of which, I am currently unsuccessful in my attempts to convince my boyfriend I'm not actually joking about wanting a pet bat. More to follow as that develops. So, it's venomous. It's got a defense mechanism. Thank God it has something to survive. Except for the fact that their venom isn't particularly potent. It's really great against prey, but not so great against predators. If you're bigger than a mouse, I doubt you'll die from it. That's not a dare though, don't go testing it out. But if you do, don't blame me, but send me videos. I'll put it on my Instagram and my Twitter, everywhere. Between their punchless poison, excuse me, venom, that's an important distinction, and their inability to escape, it doesn't really bode well for their survivability. So while they fared perfectly fine on a small island devoid of predators, when humans brought along cats and dogs and mongooses into the habitat, the Selenodon essentially brought a knife to a genetic arms race. And it's losing, unfortunately. Because as absurd as this animal's existence is, it's pretty cool, you know? It's, I like it, it's awesome. It falls into that category of so ugly it's cute and we should keep it around. Hopefully the conservation efforts for it go well. They're also trying to do DNA mapping of it because it's not particularly diverse in its genetics, so I think they're trying to clone it. That's a guess though, so like, don't quote me. Anyways, I would assume if they're not going to go for quality in terms of evolution, or I guess all the evolving that they didn't do, they'll go for quantity. Nature is basically just a population race, and everyone dumps their stats into whatever they think will win it. 
So if they're not going to evolve to be harder to kill, you'd think they would evolve to produce super quickly and in large numbers. Of course. Absolutely not. Sit the fuck down, stupid. Selenodons are shit parents, in my opinion. But I suppose they're not exactly soliciting advice from me. Anyways, they generally give birth twice a year, but males are deadbeats who are only around for the fun, sexy part. They take off when it comes time to take responsibility for your actions and actually parent the kid. But the mom isn't great either, so whatever. But they do take sole responsibility, but only ever for two. If there's more than two, suck to suck. The first two are the only two. Baby number three gets left behind. The reasoning behind this selective philanthropy is, of course, nipples. What else would it be? She only has two nipples, so she only feeds two mouths. The babies will latch onto the nipples and be led around while attached them like it's a leash or something. And just to make it more weird, let me compare it to the human centipede. Because these nipples are on her butt. And yes, they are nipples. Not nipple-esque. True nipples. I am so, so happy that I don't have nipples on my butt. But on the other hand, the imagery of a baby, like a human baby, latched onto a human butt nipple while trotting along after the mom is giving me so much pleasure. I actually want to go off on a quick tangent slash story time about nipples before I end the episode, just because I like sharing too much information that no one wants. But also, this is my podcast, so what are you going to do about it? Once upon a time, I was a child. I know, shocking. And I hadn't gone through puberty yet. So you know how kids have super duper tiny little nipples, just little bitty pinpricks, and then eventually they hit puberty and they get adult-sized nipples, the circle of life and all that. As like, I think an eight-year-old, I ended up seeing a female family member without a shirt on. I saw real ass adult boobies and I was shocked. (laughs) I had obviously already figured out that the boobs themselves would be larger than my super flat chest because I was eight, but her nipples were massive. They covered so much surface area. Like I'm talking salami nipples, maybe bigger, covered like the whole boob area. Just all that surface area that was boob was nipple. And as I grew up around that family member, I was always so careful not to make any jokes about boobs or nipples because, I mean, honestly, with nipples that huge, I thought it was reasonable to assume she might have insecurities around that. And I was extra careful to never accidentally see her naked in the shower or while changing because I didn't want her to be embarrassed about her nipples. You know, I was trying to be considerate. I'm of the opinion that all boobs are beautiful boobs, but I understand insecurity, so I'm not going to judge. But then I was like 26 years old, like fully into adulthood, had boobs of my own, (laughs) and it finally happened. I saw her topless again. I saw her titties. And she had the most textbook, normal ass nipples I've ever seen in my life. Just so fucking regular. Not one thing abnormal about them. Just nipples. Grown-up nipples. But I guess that in my prepubescent brain, being shocked at nipples so big they could actually be identified, I warped them into something just absurd. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I didn't actually even tell her about it until, I want to say like three months ago, maybe two. And obviously she laughed her ass off at me and then she called over the rest of the family so they could laugh at me, which I deserved. (laughs) Being completely honest, I deserved that shit. Anyways, before I give you guys more ammo to laugh at me too, I'm going to end this episode. (laughs) Please tune in every other hump day for 
who even knows what, honestly. Weird shit. Anyways, I love you guys. Bye.